Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 71, and I'm talking with Tamika Ketchings. Tamika is a retired professional basketball player. She started her career at the University of Tennessee under the legendary coach, Pat Summit. She was drafted by the Indiana Fever, and she played for them for 15 years. She's a 2012 WNBA champion. She's a 2011 WNBA MVP, and she's a four-time Olympic gold medalist. Tamika lives here in Indianapolis, and she recently retired from professional basketball, and she also had her jersey retired, which is a huge deal. Tamika is the founder of the Catch the Stars Foundation, and she's a very active and engaged member of the community here in Indianapolis. She recently became the owner of the tea shop Tease Me Cafe. I had such a wonderful time getting to know Tamika. This was my first time getting to talk with a professional basketball player on this podcast. You guys know I talk to runners all the time, and I love those conversations as well. But I'm having a lot of fun exploring different athletes and learning more about different sports. So this was really, really fun and a really cool opportunity to talk to such an amazing woman. Before we get started talking with Tamika, I want to tell you guys about a new sponsor for this podcast, and that is Kind Bars. Have you guys tried Kind Bars? I know that you're probably like me and you've picked them up. Like you're at the grocery store or you're somewhere or Target and you're hungry and you're like, I just need a small snack. So you grab a Kind Bar and it's like, I don't know, like $2 or something, right? And you pick the Kind Bar because it's healthy. You know it's healthy because there are so few ingredients in the snack. That's where I get it at least. And I know it tastes good too. Well, you can get them on the regular for a much better deal than what you pay when you're checking out at the grocery store. So for $10, you can get a box of 10 kind snacks and this includes free shipping sent to your door. So it's a $20 value you're getting for just $10 when you order the sample box. You'll get to try the Kind Snacks Club where you'll receive monthly snacks at a discount starting off with $10 off your first snack club order. So you definitely don't need to choose between health and taste when it comes to snacking and Kind Bar is the perfect answer for that. I got my first sample box in the mail recently and you guys... There was a roasted jalapeno kind bar. I have never had one. I normally go for the dark chocolate sea salt or something with peanut butter in it because I'm always going for the chocolate and the peanut butter. But man, I had the roasted jalapeno one and it was so good. It's a little bit spicy, but not too spicy. You guys can get a $10 box. So that's only $1 per bar, which is way cheaper than you'll buy at the grocery store. If you go to kindsnacks.com, slash another kindstacks.com slash another go check it out get yourself a sample box and you guys as i always say when you support a partner of this show you are directly supporting the podcast so i appreciate that and you'll appreciate the fact that you go do this when you open your front door and you see that the mailman has left you a box of kind snacks thank you kind bar for supporting this podcast if you guys are loving the show you know what i'm gonna ask If you could head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review, that would be so amazing. It is one of the best ways potential new listeners find the show. And if you're loving the show, don't you want other people to find it so they can hopefully love it too? I think so. If you guys are looking for more content from me, you guys can go to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lindsay There are two bonus episodes per month on that page. 
one with myself and my husband, Glenn, and one with myself and a returning guest. That's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. All right, guys, enjoy my conversation with Tamika. So we're talking to Tamika Ketchings. I'm so honored that you are taking your time to talk to me today. Thanks for having me. Local indie person here. I thought, okay, if I can get a WNBA player, I got to look for someone in my city. And my husband said, well, Tamika Catchings is arguably like one of the most famous WNBA players of all time. Hmm. That could be somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations. You just had your jersey retired. Yeah. How did that feel? Pretty cool. Um, yeah, really cool. I mean, I got to... Last couple of weeks have just been really crazy. So yeah. my whole family came in town, started, what, last Wednesday and left this past Monday. Okay. Um, but it was cool, like, having them here and, you know, just the whole retirement ceremony itself and just kind of what it means, what it stands for, knowing that nobody will ever wear the number 24 ever in a Fever franchise. And so, I mean, it, it's... Uh, the celebration, the fans, the community, the city, um, it's just, it's a, it's a blessing. I watched the video. Somebody posted a video on YouTube. You gave what? a speech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not, I'm not, okay, so I'm a runner. Okay. So I'm not super educated on anything basketball. And I did not realize the significance of getting your jersey retired mm-hmm. and how few people actually have that honor yeah it's a, it's a big deal yeah um, it is and you know you never want to discount it for what it for what it means but I think for me you know just having come to the city and getting drafted you know out of high out of college out of high school out of high school <laughs> out of college after going to University of Tennessee and you know just kind of being able to make Indianapolis my home yeah and being able to play for one organization my whole career 16 years down the road um for it to end like this and yeah. you know I came in I had torn my ACL and so a lot of people were upset that Kelly Koskoff you know our, our GM and CEO COO took a chance on me took a chance on a player that was hurt that wouldn't be able to play in that first year but now fast forward to where we are like a lot of people are thanking you know thanking her for this but even more so for me you know just being able to have the opportunity to make Indianapolis my home yeah that's incredible I want to talk about that first I want to talk about um can you kind of walk me back to your childhood and what was, what was that like? Well, um, I was born in New Jersey. My father actually played in the NBA, he played for 11 years. So he was playing with the New Jersey Nets, then got traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. So we picked up everything and moved to Milwaukee. I really don't remember <laughs> anything about New Jersey. but uh, So we went to Milwaukee, and then he got traded to the Clippers, where my mom and I, the family, we stayed in Milwaukee while he did one year with the Clippers, and then we actually moved overseas. Um, to Italy. I was three years old when my parents found out that I was born with a hearing problem, which also led to a speech problem. And, you know, when I was that young, I don't, I know I didn't really realize that I was different. Um, It wasn't until after my dad's stint in Italy, when we came back to America, that I realized that not everybody was born the same way. And, um, you know, spent a lot of time getting made fun of when I was in second grade. That's really where sports came into my life, where it was something that, you know, I learned that if I could practice and I could get really, really good at something, you know, that people couldn't make fun of me. And um, through just the development of, of that and then, you know, practicing and getting better. I mean, uh, soccer was my first sport, then softball, 
Then I started playing basketball organized when I was in third grade. And then um, volleyball, I ran track. Um, and then you know, I pretty much played every sport growing up. Anything that my parents could put me in, put us in. I have a brother, and older brother and older sister. So really anything that they could put us in, we did. Man, that's heartbreaking. Kids are so mean. I have three little boys now, and I don't think that ever stood out in the forefront of my mind until I had my own kids and to picture someone bullying and being mean to my own kid. Man, that's hard. Yeah. Do you think that shaped you who you are today? Yeah. 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 I think it just that, um, like that inner, what do you call that? Like that inner, Uh I don't know, not determination, but whatever that word is that, uh, that, that inner force, I guess, of, wanting to fit in yeah like that drove me every Mm -hmm. day like that drive to just be normal whatever that that means and um I think it's the same drive that in sports and every single sport that I participated it was to be the best and so even now you know like that drive to be the best and I compare to anybody else but to be the best me that I can be like that's the thing that drives me so clearly basketball was your was your strong suit but what did you do in track I did uh, the 400, okay. the 800 medley. Um, that right, 800 medley? I, yeah. Well, like the 4 by 8 Yeah, 4 by 8 There you go. And then I did a high jump, long jump, and I threw the discus. So were you good at all those, too? I was okay. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't terrible. Do you remember what you would run your 800s in? No. no. You're like, I've been playing basketball for way longer than that. <laughs> yeah. That is, it's funny because I did it my freshman and sophomore year of high school. Okay. And then, because, uh, you know, in junior high, you have field day, uh-huh. and everybody does everything. You do track, you do basketball, you do, you know, like, every sport. Oh, they, totally. You know, go outside. And then my mom and I moved to Duncanville, Texas, uh, in between my sophomore year and my junior year in high school. And so when I got to Duncanville, I wanted to stay in track, but I just wanted to do the field events. I didn't want to run. And they were like, no, you can't just do the field events. So I was like, well, I don't want to run. <laughs> and so I quit. Not did I didn't you, quit. I just didn't participate. Were you good at high jump? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're tall, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's all about the tuck. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I actually did high jump myself, and I was terrible. Mm-hmm. But I was still, I think, like the third girl on my team because there was probably only like four girls. Oh, I think the highest I ever did was like 4'10 or something yeah. like oh. that. Um, <laughs> So, but you've mentioned in an interview before that in seventh grade, you made the goal to play professionally. Yep. To follow my dad's footsteps. Yeah. I wanted to play in the NBA because the WNBA wasn't around. Okay. So tell me about that. Educate us here. When, when did the WNBA start? The WNBA started after the 96 Olympic team. So okay. So 1996 was the first year for the WNBA. And you were how old at that point? I was a freshman in college. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy that you didn't start until then. Were you following it along and did you get so excited? Like, oh my gosh, here it is. It's just for me. They made it leave just for me. Like literally I was, yeah. I mean, I I just knew because I mean, even up to that point, I was playing in the NBA. Like that's where I, like my mind was made up. This might be a stupid question, but. Never. Okay. (laughs) As a female, could you have gone and tried out for the NBA? I I was going to. Okay. You were just going to go. Dead set on nobody was going to turn me away from my goal. Yeah. And I feel like that is so crazy that <laughs> the WNBA wasn't here until then. Yep, 96. And so this is our 21st year Okay. as a league. Wow. Okay, so you played for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. University of Tennessee. Yeah, and you won a championship there. Mm-hmm. 
um, you played under Pat Summit, mm-hmm. who we just came up on the year anniversary yeah, of her passing. Yeah, June yeah, what? Tell me about the impact she had on your life. Wow. Um, I know that's a heavy question, probably. Yeah. I mean, she's just an amazing person. Yeah. And you know, you see her from the outside. So before I got to Tennessee, and just kind of picture this imaginary person, or you know, in our sense, you could see her, but. Like, you just put her on this pedestal just because of how great she was. And then you have the opportunity to go and play for someone like that. And you realize that that's not a fraud. Mm. You know, it's not a fraud. This is who she is. And not just on the court, but even off the court. An even better person. Yeah. You know, and, and the cool thing about Pat, the thing I would talk about is, you know, she wasn't just determined and focused on us being great basketball players or just being great in the classroom, or just being great in the community. Like, her main focus for all of us was to be great people. Mm. And, you know, there's so many college, you know, like different colleges, universities that you look at, and especially when you look at their student-athletes, it's all about what they can do on the court, on the field, Mm -hmm. you know, in their particular sport, but not necessarily developing them as people. And I think that's the thing that is... The most credible about Pat is that she genuinely cared about each one of us and genuinely cared about, you know, our well good well being after, you know, we left the university. Man, and I think it's probably so easy for a lot of coaches and mentors and teachers to overlook that piece and just focus on the being good on the court. And it's not just in college. I mean, yeah. I think even when you look at professional athletes, yeah, it's the same thing because you're trained to practice and you're trained to compete and you know all the training that you're trained. Then when your career is over, in a sense, it's almost the same thing. Except now you've lost however x amount of years. I mean, I played for 16 years. Yeah. So now I can't get a job just because I was a great <laughs> shooter, a great passer, a great teammate. You know even a great leader to a sense without knowing what it takes to be a leader and how to, you know, plug that in from leadership on the court to like a corporate job or, you know, something with a foundation or whatever that may look like. Yeah. Um, So your senior year, you tore your ACL. And at that point, you knew you were probably going to get drafted, right? Well, I, up until I tore my ACL, (laughs) I did. And then when I tore it, I really was just kind of, no, you don't go to a store and buy a product that's broken. Yeah, you're gonna get a brand new product that you can use. Like literally, when can you come and hook up my lawn? You know, my washing machine. I need it today. Can uh-huh. you come do it? You know, and that that's what we. That's the type of world we live in. And so I really was kind of. I didn't know. I didn't know where I was gonna end up. I didn't know where I would be because nobody's gonna want me. I I know I can't play this summer. They know I can't play this summer. It would have to be somebody that was willing to kind of let me ride a year and get healthy and come back that following you. Were you eyeing Indiana? No. No. Did you have I, any idea? I had no idea. I just wanted an opportunity. Yeah. I really didn't care where it was. I just wanted to play in the WNBA. Yeah. And then, so you, I mean, your freshman year, or your freshman year, your rookie year, you had to set the bench the entire mm-hmm. year. Front row seat. <laughs> front row seat the no. whole year. <laughs> But I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Because, you know, you talk about in every single level, you know, from junior high to high school, it's a different level. From high school to college, it's a different level. From college to the pros, it's a different level. So it really gave me an opportunity for a year to kind of sit back and 
watch and they are faster they are stronger so you know i need to get in the weight room and you know as i was kind of getting back from and doing my in, uh, my rehab and stuff you know trying to work on quickness especially lateral quickness and different things that i wanted to work on so that i would be effective somewhat when i got back on the court did it fuel the fire sitting there watching them yeah, yeah. yeah. we were terrible that year too. oh really so even worse like oh my gosh You're like i want to get out there and do something yeah. i'm like I, I mean i could do something i mean we wouldn't you know lose this many games but yeah we were pretty bad and so you um didn't you and now correct me if i'm wrong but didn't weren't you rookie of the year or something yeah yeah. Yeah. What did What did that feel like? Oh, uh, shoot! It was awesome. Yeah. No, it was awesome to come back from an injury. Yeah. And you know I mean, that was my first real injury. Yeah. The ACL tear. So coming back from that, being able to have a successful year and come out with the Rookie of the Year award, it was that big time. It was It was definitely a great beginning. When did you see that? Okay, my career. This is taking off, and this is like this is it. Um. You know, I don't, I don't know if you ever look at it like that. Yeah. Because I've always been one that the next year I can I can be even better. Uh-huh. And so, like, that was kind of my motivation and that drive because especially as you get older and you're looking at the younger players that are coming into the league, it's something that has mm. to keep you there. And, you know, I'm, I'm always telling our younger, uh, younger kids, not kids, but <laughs> our younger players, like, every year you have to bring something different uh-huh. to your game. Like, you can't be the same player every year because you got young, you know, you have the athletes that are coming in from the universities and you have overseas players that are coming in and everybody competing for a job. Not many. There's 144 spots, 12 teams, wow. 12 players. you got to come with it every single time. And so really being, you never get to that point where it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm really good. It's, yeah. No, I'm, I'm good right now, but I want to be better. Well, when you say it like that, yeah, that's not a lot of spots. No. Now, I don't know if there's a hard answer for this, but, like, what are some tools that you use to do that, to better yourself every year? Well, um, I would always try to pick one or two things that I really wanted to work on in the off season. Yeah. And majority of us play overseas, so we'll play, you know, five months, five, five and a half months here, and then we go overseas for the rest of the time and then we come right back so it's just kind of like a circle mm-hmm. that never stops never ending circle groundhog day every day but um you know for me i would always fo- find one or two things that i wanted to focus on overseas and that would be kind of my target um ball handling shooting you know being able to read the defense better like just different things that you focus on and you know put into play for the next season Okay, now this is not to be a downer question, but did you have any moments? Like, what were some of your lowest moments as, as an athlete? Uh, injuries. Yeah. Yeah, injuries. So, started with the ACL. Um, I've torn my Achilles. I've torn my plantar fascia. I partially tore the other foot. Broken my nose a couple of times. Broken mm. a couple of fingers. Like during a game? Mm-hmm. Ow. Yeah, it hurt. Um, I've torn my plantar fascia, too. Oh, so peop- you know. I know. People talk about plantar fasciitis, but, like, the bottom of your yes. foot is black and blue. Oh. It is an injury. But you know what? To tear it all the way is it's better. better than to be partially torn. <laughs> right, because now I'm like, well, now I don't have to worry yeah. about plantar fasciitis ever. ever again, right? Yeah, ever. Yeah. What was the comeback from that? How how long was your recovery? Um, So I did that. The crazy thing is, what year was that? I partially tore my left one okay. first, okay. and then I sat out for like a month, came back, and then played a couple games, 
and then ended up popping mm. my Achilles on the right foot. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And then uh, I did my plantar fascia. It was a live game two in the playoff. Oh, wow. Um, I want to say in Atlanta, coming back here to play game three. Oh, that's devastating. Yeah, so I played. Oh, you did? Yeah, I played. When the, doc- the doctor was like, I mean, you can't injure it anymore right. than it already is. Yeah. So. How did you even stabilize yourself? Because I remember I couldn't even like really put weight yeah, on my foot. We taped it. Taped it hardcore. Shot it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Shot yeah. Shot it up. That's true. Yeah. Well, I forget about that, too, because I always think when I tore mine, I'm like, well, if you're a professional athlete, like, you're getting, like, the best of best physical therapy yeah. and, and shots and whatever yeah. you need to do yeah. to so make it work. Yeah, we flew back. We literally flew back, like, like, I think it was Saturday night. I went straight to get the MRI. Of course, we already knew. So, Sunday started off with treatment in the morning. Then went to a you know another get a, get a, to the first doctor, then came back here had more treatment. Then went to the second doctor to get a second opinion. Came back had more treatment. So that was Sunday. Mm. Then Monday wake up have treatment. Go to a third doctor because the game Monday night. Um, have, get a third opinion. Come back you know like literally I was here all day, and you know Kelly was like no you're not playing you're not playing I'm like Kelly I'm fine like, I'll be fine for the game. So I had to run before the game. They shot it up. You know, we taped it. I had to run before the game. Like I could, I could get by. Yeah. Was I like at a hundred percent? Definitely <laughs> not. But played that game, and and then after that, we were done. We lost. So you know, I don't really know how long it took me to recover from that. But you had the time at, at that, that point. point. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh well. So what are some of and and opposite side of that? What are some of the highest moments in your career? Um, highest moments winning, winning yeah. the championship here in 2012. You know, of course, the, winning the Olympic gold medal. Uh-huh. That, that's awesome. Um, and I think that, high, like, when I think of the highest moment, too, like, just being able to build friendship yeah. around the league, not only with my teammates, but players around the league and, you know, of course, our Olympics. So you have your team here, the Fever, but what is that like when you jump into the Olympic team with people that are playing on other teams that are your rivals the rest yeah. of the year? How's that work out? It was weird the first time. Yeah. You know, because it is like you're playing and you might have just played one of them. But the, the cool thing is with with us and, and being able to develop those friendships, you know, you find yourself sitting around the table and just kind of reminiscing uh-huh. on the thing that happened the first half of the season. You know, who got blocked here, or mm-hmm. what happened here, or, you know, different games, win or lose. It's just being able to kind of talk, and it's, it's fun. Yeah. But I love, like, it's just a totally different level. Yeah. You know, like, not to say that the WNBA is at this level, and then you go to the Olympic, but, you know, the focus is just way different. Because now it's not just being the best in the U.S. Mm-hmm. or the WNBA. Like, you're the best WNBA team. You win the championship, that's great. But when you start looking at global mm-hmm. and just like where you're at from a global perspective like you're the best in the world literally gold medal yeah gold like you're the best in the world it's not like oh you're the best in the u.s like you're the best in the world and yeah your focus uh you know like the intensity everything is a lot sharper it's a lot higher you know and, and the expectations the thing that are expected of you it's just a different just a whole different element 
Well, and I feel like there's a respect thing too, because I, I was watching a video, I think it was your last game, and you hug in all your teammates. And I noticed the last teammate that you hugged, it was like an extra special teammate. Who is that? Bree, probably. Is she like, is she one of your best friends in the league? Well, Bree, Brianne, um, so here with the Fever, uh-huh. she's the one that I played with the longest. Okay. So this is her ninth year, so okay. I basically played eight seasons with her. Okay. And, um, you know, she came in as a rookie. Like, yeah. So I'm all she's ever known. You're kind of kind of like a mentor to her yeah. too, a little bit? Yeah. I, I was like, what are they saying? Because it was a really <laughs> long embrace, and it was it just it was really Aww, special. Yeah. And then you went and hugged everybody on the other team, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, what a, that I mean, that's just like I don't know if that's the norm. Is that the norm when someone's retiring? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think that it's the respect level that you have, uh-huh. you know. And not only was I their teammate, like for here, but I'm all, I was. The um, the president for mm-hmm. the players association yeah. for so long. So technically, I'm not in that sense like I'm over everybody, but you know, like they heard from me regularly, and like it wasn't just a one-time thing. Like, oh yeah, we're playing against you. It's something that's been consistent over the years. And okay, so, tell me about that though. What does that mean? Well, uh, so we have a union, uh-huh. just like not like every league, but we have a union. Um, so basically, the union oversees any of the issues with the WNBA. And the players. And so, you know, um, I mean, we have an executive committee that gets voted on by the players. And we have the president, the VP, second VP, secretary, treasurer. Um, And so, yeah, I got nominated for that position. So really just kind of overseeing. And I I think the biggest thing for me was just trying to make sure that all the player issues Mm. we were able to handle from the executive committee and, and, you know, just being over the players. When did you see yourself? At what point in your career were you like, I'm, I want to take a leadership role in this? Well, <laughs> I got voted in fairly young. Okay. Um, I got voted in 2004 or 2005. Okay. And it wasn't really like an option. It was more I got voted and I'm like, okay, what did that mean? <laughs> um, I'm president of what? Who? Uh, and so, yeah, from 2005 up until 2016, that was my role as the president, and yeah. So you played for the Fever for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Did you ever consider leaving? You know, um, there was one time, and it was more of, you know, Kelly and I, we bumped heads a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was more like, okay, you know, we're going in a different direction with coaching and, you know, all that. And, I mean, I could sit here and be like, no, it was perfect every year, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I think that um, it's better to be transparent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like one thing is I was just kind of like I didn't agree with the coaching change that they were making. And so, like, my thing was, okay, well, let me explore my options. And at the end of the day, if, you know, if I don't like these options, then, you know, I'll stay. But it never got to that point. It yeah. was more like we were able to talk about it. We were able to, you know, kind of work our way through it. And I honestly couldn't imagine myself being anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It would just, you know, your your emotion get the best of you, and you're just like, no, this is what I want. <laughs> you know, you got the management and you got the players, and you know, really trying to buy into a system. And you, I mean, you came to Indianapolis and made Indianapolis your home. And I, is that is that the norm? Well, um, not the norm. Yeah. But yeah, I I think you know in my case, coming off of an injury and really 
being able to grab a hold of indie mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of it for me was to my foundation the mm-hmm. catch your stars mm-hmm. foundation and all the things that we've been able to create here in the city that was big for me and it's kind of like okay you come to a city, you make it your own, you get your foundation going, the impact that you're able to make around the community. You could take that, you could package it up and take it to another city, but that's so much hard. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just way more than it actually needs to be. I think a lot of athletes don't get attached to city. They come, they play, they do their job, and then they go back to wherever they're from. But when you really take ownership of a community, I think it makes playing and being in a city so much better. Tell me about Catch the Stars Foundation. So we're focused on boys and girls ages 7 all the way up to 18, and we provide programming around fitness, literacy, and mentoring. And, uh, you know, my the underlying thing that I always focus on is goal setting hmm. and really trying to help our young people realize, okay, this is your goal, and how are we going to get to that? And, you know, some of our programming is just like basketball camp, Fitness clinic, you know, we, we got a back-to-school celebration uh, coming up here next month in July. We just gave out scholarship in May. So, you know, really trying to create programs and create different opportunities in order to help them succeed in life. Do you Is it implemented within, like, the public school system? No. So all of our stuff is really, um, we, do, we don't do anything through the public or through the school system. Majority of our stuff we do at community centers, okay. you know, um, and then just through partnership with other organizations. Okay. Um, do you do a lot of speaking at community centers and whatnot? I do a lot of speaking, period. <laughs> yeah, I do. And and I enjoy it. Yeah. You know, if you would have told me my rookie season coming in that I would be a public speaker when I finished, I would have looked at you like, yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> because I didn't. I didn't like to speak, and I wouldn't speak. Yeah. And, you know, our community relations director at the time, Lori Satterfield, she was just like, no, you know, like, I'm... You're going to be here in the off-season. We need you to go on a school tour. You're going to go talk about fever for every victory earns respect. And, you know, it's going to be great. It's like 50 schools. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to speak. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do a tour. I don't want to do any of that. And eventually we got to the point where it's like, okay, you're getting paid by the team. And this is what they want you to do. And at first I, I, I didn't like it. Yeah. But after a couple of runs and the more and more I did it, the more comfortable I got in speaking in front of the kids and then eventually moved on to like corporations and you know, now public speaking is what I do. Podcast interviews. Yeah, you know, whatever it takes. Whatever <laughs> did it, it takes. was it part of it, the reason you didn't want to do it though? Was it because of your hearing impairment? Because of that and, you know, just being very self conscious mm-hmm. about the way that I talk too. Mm-hmm. Because even though, you know, you kind of fast forward through life and it's just like okay you know you have a hearing problem you know that you talk and sound a little bit different but I feel like going back to the schools it would just bring back memories of yeah ah, you know the whole bullying and now like bullying is such a big part of you know our our culture and it's just like god yeah to be that kid again oh yeah Hey guys, I know you're loving my conversation with Tamika. She's so fun. Funny thing right now, you guys, I'm literally sitting in my car outside of her tea shop that she recently purchased. So, because I was going to record this in my home, but my kids were so loud and I was trying to do it at 10 p.m. last night, but I was waking people up. So I'm resorting to sitting in my car doing this. 
I want to talk about my newest partner of the show, and that is Kind Bars. I know you guys, a lot of you guys at least, have had a Kind Bar. I am known for grabbing them in the grocery store or Target or whatever when I'm in line and I need a quick snack before I move to the next place that I'm going. And they're like two bucks. Well, they have a sample box that is a new thing, and it gets delivered to your door. It's $10. You'll get 10 Kind Snacks which includes free shipping, which is a $20 value, and you're getting it for just $10. So when you join the Kind Snack Club, that's what this is, you get a monthly discount on the snacks starting at $10. You guys, I had the roasted jalapeno kind bar. Has anybody ever had one of those? They are so good. I generally stick to the chocolate and the peanut butter and the salted caramel, but man, the roasted jalapeno is where it's at. It's spicy but it's not too spicy and it's so good it's one of those things that you find yourself buying anyway you might as well get the box sent to your door and you can just pack your snack instead of spending double the price at the checkout line at the grocery store head over to kindsnacks.com slash another and get your first sample box and let me know what you think okay one more thing before we continue my conversation with samika you guys the live show is coming up saturday september 30th downtown indianapolis It's the same day as the Indie Women's Half Marathon. There's also a 5K. Michelle Gonzalez, Mary Johnson, and Meggie Diles are all three joining me for a panel. We're going to have wine and hors d'oeuvres and dessert. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. So come run the race and come celebrate at the after party with us at the live show. Everybody's getting an awesome swag bag. The first 60 people to register. So make sure you're in line with the first 60. Fun. And another thing to note is... I stepped up to pace the 140 group at the half marathon that day. So if anybody's got a goal to break 140 in the half marathon, come run with me. I will literally push you away from me at the last 800 meters to make sure that you safely break 140. And then come celebrate at the live show. You guys get information, more details on all that in the show notes, lindsayhine.com. Okay, I hope you guys haven't heard too many cars driving by. Like I mentioned earlier, I am sitting right outside of Tease Me Cafe, getting ready to walk in and edit this episode up. So enjoy the rest of my conversation with Tamika. So I want to talk about... um, You recently got married, pretty recently. Last year, yeah. Last year. Mm -hmm. How'd you meet your husband? Well, um, we met in 2014, one of our mutual friends had actually moved out to California, to L.A., and then um, he had moved to California maybe like a month or two before we actually went out there to play. And so mine mine is our friend, and um, yeah, uh, we always go out to eat before the the game, so we went out the night before, I was like, hey, you coming to the game tomorrow? He's like, yeah, I'm going to bring one of my guys, do you mind? I'm like, no, whatever. And so we bought them, and we lost. And normally I hate going out to eat after mm. we lose, but we only played, at that point, we only played L.A. once mm. there, and then they come here and play here once. I was like, you know what? It's like self-talk. You're going to be okay. You're going to go out <laughs> to eat. You're going to have fun. So it's like, all right. And um, so we went out to eat to the yard house, and the next day, so Parnell's my husband, uh-huh. he didn't talk to me at all. And I always <laughs> joke around. I'm like, yeah, you said like two words to me. Um, <laughs> but then the next day... 
Ryan hit me and he was like, oh my gosh, my guy really liked you. And I'm like, no, he didn't. He didn't even talk to me. <laughs> and I told Ryan, I'm like, you must have told him that I really liked him. And then you told me that he really liked me. So you were like setting us up. <laughs> so yeah, one, one thing led to another. And um, yeah, here we are. Was that the purpose of going out to dinner though? Did your friend have that in mind or did it just end up being that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think he probably was like, let me see how they interact with each other. Uh-huh. But like I said, Parnell really didn't talk to me. Um, it's kind of funny because I was like, you really said like maybe two words. I give you like two sentences the whole night you said to me. And then even while we go driving, like Ryan and I, Ryan sings like he, that's what he is. He's a okay. professional singer. Oh, cool. I would like to say that I would love to be one, me too. but I'm not. <laughs> me too. No, I know my limitation. <laughs> and so, you know, we're on the, on the car ride home and they're taking me back to the hotel. Like I'm. Him and I are like belting out, you know, just singing, belting out tunes, and I'm looking over at Parnell. Oh, he was in the car? Yeah, he's driving. He's just like, face forward, not like engaged at all. I'm like, gosh, like, man, loosen up a little bit. Like, have fun. (laughs) And he's just like, I'm driving. I'm like, whatever. He was nervous. (laughs) Maybe. And he's like, that girl's going to be my wife. Mm, Yeah, no, he thought thought before he met me that I was going to be bougie. Tell me what that means. I don't even know. I was like, yeah, um, you know, you know, you meet famous people and they just, I'm like, really? I don't think that I, on the TV, I don't think I portray anything Not at about all. being no. bougie. No. <laughs> okay, so this is a kind of a controversial question. We can scrap it if you're not comfortable talking about it. But <clears throat> my friend who is a big basketball fan sent me this article, and it was an article from February. Candace Wiggins wrote, like, being a straight female in the WNBA, she was felt like she might have been bullied a little bit. Did you ever feel that? Uh, no. No? No, I didn't. And, I mean, that's just me. Okay. Um, everybody's experience is different. Uh-huh. So I never want to discount anybody's sure. feelings and how they feel. You know, but I think, and speaking about myself, um, you know, I came in, I've been straight the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's never changed. <laughs> right. Um, and, I, I mean, it is a different world. Yeah. And in a sense of professional sports in general are mm-hmm. a different worlds. Like, you literally live in a bubble. Yeah. And the bubble is more, you're, you're kind of isolated from everything sure. else. And, you know, so even meeting my husband. Yeah. And dating people, you know, the people that you date, majority of the time come from the world that you're in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, dating other, you know, players because that's the world oh, that sure. you're in. Oh, sure, um, So, I, I mean, I, I feel like everybody's experience is different. But for mine, you know, as far as being bullied or picked on for, for me and for being who I am, you know, right from the bat, people know what I represent, know who I am. And, you know, from my faith standpoint, even, yeah. even you know, just... I mean, I'm always like, hey, anybody want to go to church with me? I don't know if that's me bullying them. Like, hey, I'm, I, you know, that, that's what I'm trying to do. That's, yeah. that's my hanging out. That's so good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. Um, tell me about your faith a little bit, though, because you're really open about it and you talk about it a lot. You're wearing a cross necklace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, I mean, it's just been a part of who I am. Yeah. And we grew up in a very faith-oriented uh, environment with uh-huh. our parents. Um, we didn't go to church on Sunday. We couldn't participate in anything for the week and so literally it was just at that point when you're young it's just like a drag to go to church uh, it's like totally. you're being forced to go so I, freshman year in college I was like I don't have to go to church and what I found out is basketball really became my God mm. and it became my focus and it became the only thing that really mattered and I went to school and made good grades and all that but like basketball was my, where my focus was 
sophomore, and we won. We went undefeated freshman year, won the championships, and I was just like, you know, like on a high from basketball. Uh, sophomore year come, started losing some games. The whole ship just started to sink, and, you know, you when you have your focus so much on a ball and so much on something that's not relevant to, you know, very irrelevant mm -hmm. to what's important in life, you know, I learned, you know, real fast that I, I just needed to get my priorities in order. And, um, you know, one day saw a big billboard, um, guest speaker speaking at the church. My teammates and I came in as the Fab Four, so the other freshmen, then sophomores, we went to the service. And, you know, from really from that point forward, just really rededicating my life to God and putting my focus in Him mm -hmm. and not in the ball or my life or, you know, a relationship or whatever that is, you know, just really focusing on Him. And, I mean, even to this day, through all the injuries and through everything that I've been through, it's just my faith is the thing that's stayed strong and that carried me through. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like when all you have to rely on is basketball and something happens, what now? Yeah, and it's been interesting because you'll see players get injured and and it is that it's that fear of oh my gosh like this is all i have yeah and you know for me being able to kind of step in and say no like this is part of what you do but this has nothing it, it's not who you are yeah it's not who you what you believe in and everything that is about you like there's so much more to who you are and you as a person this is just a piece of that and you know you for me, from the outside looking in in a situation like that, it is scary mm -hmm. because I've been there too, where like basketball is all I have and without this ball, like what would I do? What would I be? Who would I be? And how would people look at me? Yeah. And it's just, it's scary. Yeah. I mean, I think that even, you know, I'm a runner. I, I'm competitive with myself. I'm not a professional runner, but even, even with that, like if it's taken away from me, I'm like, where is my identity lie? And I have to be okay with the fact that if it is taken from me, I'm yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I know we got to kind of wrap up a little bit. I have a couple of end of the podcast questions that I always do. One more, one more basketball question, though. Um, I think I heard in an interview say you want your legacy off the court to make a bigger impact than your legacy on the court. What does that mean to you? Well, um, we look at on the court, and there was always going to be another, mm -hmm. another star, another you know, record broken, another person that breaks that record, another, you know, like it, that's just the continuous cycle of our world in sport. But when I look at the world outside of sport and the impact that you're able to make on kids, especially the kids that we deal with, being able to be a part of their success story, I think weighs in way more than being able to score 50 points on a basketball court. Because you'll score 50 and the next night somebody else will score 51. Mm. And that's all forgotten. But when you are able to impact a child and you're able to put them on the right path or they might have been going left and you're able to get them going right or able to get them going straight into an avenue that will allow them to reach their dreams and goals, like isn't that what life is all about? Yeah. You know, and you, we use the, uh, the phrase pay it forward a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, pay it forward, pay it forward. And it really is about that because yeah. one of those young people will one day be in my shoe and will one day, whether they're a professional athlete or not, but there'll be that person that's able to plant seeds and sow seeds into somebody else's life. And that's the most important thing. And you recently bought a, a tea shop. Tease me. Tease me. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, Tease Me Cafe. Um, T-E-A apostrophe S. 
Me Cafe. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a place that I've been going, shoot, for the last 10 years. Okay. And um, the owner and his wife, Wayne and Stacy, were looking at moving. Yeah. And, you know, they were going to close down the shop. And my original plan was to find them somebody that could take over the shop. And it eventually, after talking to my husband, it ended up being us. Um, but I love it. You know, I love just being able to to go and hang out. But, you know, the diversity of people that come through and just what it stands for, like the staple that it stands for for that area. You know, people, don't, you, don't, you don't understand how much a place means to people until you're about to lose it. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like, you know, now people come in and it's like, oh, my God, thank you so much, you know, for keeping this place open just because it's, it's I mean, it literally is. You gotta go. It's, yeah. It's okay. Well, tell me what's where's it at again? One forty East Twenty Second Street. So it's so, just right up here. Yeah, it's on Twenty Second between Delaware and Pennsylvania. Okay. So here's my next question. I oftentimes Thursday's my day. I get a babysitter and I go work. Is it somewhere that yes. people bring their laptops and work? Yes. Do you have coffee too? Yes, we have coffee too. Okay. We added coffee to the Maybe menu. it's my new spot. Yeah. Wi-Fi. Breakfast, lunch, Wi-Fi. Really? We'll and it's not frowned upon to sit at a table for a couple hours and work on your laptop. Mm-hmm. There's enough space. Yep. Okay, maybe it's my we new spot. We have a patio, too. And that's so close to my house. I'm up on 34th and Penn, so yep, that's so, so you're close. right there. I'm so close. Okay, it's got to be my new spot. Yep. Okay, um, what's the best, most re- recent book you've read? Ooh, the best, most recent book that I've read, um, gosh, Shifting Gears. Or any fa- or or just any favorite Can book. I, my favorite book is Catch a Star by Tamika Catch. Oh, well, <laughs> well, we'll need to put that in the show notes. <laughs> For sure. You know, I'm starting a book club on this podcast, so maybe we'll make that one of my book club choices. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you guys can come to tease me, and you can even do oh, a book I'm club so, over there. We could. Yeah. That's a great idea. Um, last question. If you had one message to send to the world, your last message or whatever you want to call it, what would it be? Find your passion and live your dreams. You know, um, Pat would always look at us, if you're going to be here, be here 100, you know, and that's my thing, and everything that I do, I'm there 100, I'm super passionate about my role now, I'm super passionate about the tea shop, passionate about the kids that we impact through our foundation, and so, you know, really, like, it has been about finding my passion, and, you know, living a dream. Awesome, that's so good, well, thank you so much, Tamika, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. everybody thank you so much for listening to today's show thank you tamika for coming on the show you guys can follow me on instagram lindsey hine 626 and you can find me on twitter at lindsey hine you can also find me on facebook i'll have another with lindsey hine podcast and don't forget our book club is rocking and rolling we are reading ronda rousey's book my fight your fight you do not have to be a fan of the mma to get in on this book it is really good We have a Facebook group where we're talking about the book and all other things podcast. Um, I'll put the link to it in the show notes. It's all have another podcast with Lindsay Hine group. Yep, you can just click on the link and request to join. If you are not on Facebook and you still want to take part in the book club, read the book. We'll still talk about it on the podcast. I'll definitely figure out a way to involve you guys in the process. Though the Facebook group is the easiest way I've found for us to kind of all chat about it together. Don't forget to check out the Kind Snack sample box. Go to kindsnacks.com slash another and get your first sample box for $10. All right, that's all I got this week. Have a wonderful weekend, and as always, I'll see you next Friday.